Hey God lovers, welcome back to another episode of I Need God Pod. Today we have a very special guest, a huge fan of the page for a long time, author Chris Stedman. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Yeah, thanks Um, for having me. Yes, if you don't know Chris, Chris, here's his um, bio from Amazon. (laughs) Chris Stedman (laughs) is a writer, activist, and professor who teaches in the Department of Religion and Philosophy at Augsburg University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He is the author of IRL, Finding Our Real Selves in a Digital World, and the writer and host of Unread, um, which is a podcast that was named one of the best of 2021 by multiple news outlets. So this is a great interview for us here. You're like an expert on religion, basically. I'm so happy that you're here. Um, I'm and really, really so happy to be here. And and smart. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Thank, thank you for having me. I, I mean, as you know, I'm such a huge fan of I Need God, have been for years. And so this is just really fun for me. So thanks for yeah having me on. Yes, um, of course. So you brought a reading today. Would you like to read? Yeah, so this is a... It's a little excerpt from uh, Sylvia Plath's The Bell Jar, um, which I read in high school and I can talk more about in a minute. I saw my life branching out before me like the green fig tree in the story. From the tip of each branch, like a fat purple fig, a wonderful future beckoned and winked. One fig was a husband and a happy home and children, and another fig was a famous poet, and another fig was a brilliant professor and another fig was E.G., the amazing editor, and another fig was Europe and Africa and South America, and another fig was Constantine and Socrates and Attila and a pack of other lovers with queer names and offbeat professions, and another fig was an Olympic lady crew champion, and beyond and above these figs were many more figs I couldn't quite make out. I saw myself sitting in the crotch of this fig tree, starving to death, just because I couldn't make up my mind which of the figs I would choose. I wanted each and every one of them, but choosing one meant losing all the rest, and, as I sat there, unable to decide, the figs began to wrinkle and go black, and, one by one, they plopped to the ground at my feet. <laughs> okay thank you for sharing that that's like i love that that was sylvia plath it was sylvia plath yeah and that reading came to my mind for a few reasons um one is uh i mean i read that book when i was younger and it was really impactful um but uh when i just had finished my master's in religion i i guess i kind of wanted to like commemorate having finished the program And so I got this huge fig tree on my right arm as a tattoo. Um, But in each of the figs, instead of sort of imagining a different possible future life, which is kind of what the protagonist in that book does, like she sees herself as, you know, an Olympian or a homemaker or um, someone with a bunch of different lovers or, you know, I put um, different religion, religious symbols in my figs because Mm. I um, sort of came out on the end of my program studying religion, feeling like, you know, like, I don't know, this idea that you had to sort of choose one, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. like you had to either be a Christian or Hindu or Muslim. um, And that, you know, sort of choosing one meant not choosing all the others. Whereas I felt like, for me, there was something in each of them that, you know, 
mm-hmm. informed me, shaped me, um, not in a sort of relativist way, like, oh, they're all just the same, but in a, you know, <laughs> in a sense that like, there was something to be gained from trying to sort of learn from each of them. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I took that metaphor. But the reading also came to mind because I recently read this interview with Lana, um, uh-huh. and she referenced that same passage in the fig tree or in the bell jar. Um, but oh, she, yeah. she said yeah. it's giving fig tree, which I just loved. <laughs> and now I'm just constantly saying to my friends, it's giving fig tree. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. I just read that interview about, it was maybe it was like, she made a Instagram post and the caption was about like the blue banisters Crit- criticism or something mm-hmm. and then she mentioned a fig tree yeah i just like didn't read any further into yeah it. she loves she, was... <laughs> she loves that image um and she loves uh, sylvia plath obviously she loves sylvia plath um yeah. but you know i think that there is something about that image of feeling like frozen in the tree by indecision not knowing sort of which life path to choose that I definitely i that. resonate with and i think she does and i think there's a reason that image has spread so far and wide yeah, I mean, I definitely relate to that. I feel like I'm a multi-potentialite and um, like I could pursue so many different things and I still haven't decided. Um, something else that Lana said recently that really resonated with me was a metaphor that's kind of about like you have to close doors behind you basically in order to like go through certain ones that you feel are like right for you and like for her, one of those doors is obviously becoming a singer and like she couldn't do that without closing the doors behind her. Mm-hmm. And that made me think like, oh God, like life is kind of like that in a sense, like a tree or like fractal and like mm-hmm. you go down different paths or whatever. Yeah. And, and it's so ever, hard. Yeah. You know, it, there's this medieval dictum that every choice is a renunciation that, you know, choosing mm. one thing means not choosing 8,000 other things. And right. You know, we they live grow in up the... and choose something <laughs> and we live in the age of like unlimited choice. And so yeah. it, it just feels that I think feels like truer and harder than ever. I agree. It's kind of debilitating, but also there's a promise in it. That's appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's a good metaphor. It reminds me too, like, <laughs> even like neurally, if you think of like how your brain makes different neural pathways, like as you grow, they kind of get pruned and you have to like mm-hmm. repeat the ones you want to keep basically in yeah, order exactly. to like stay that way. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like when I was in college, I studied abroad in, or I studied um, in El Salvador and I was there mm-hmm. studying liberation theology and I spoke enough Spanish to be able to, you know, get around, to be able to speak to people. But since then I have, um, you know, I haven't really stayed current on it and like 90% of my Spanish is gone. And oh, sad. It's why I know it's wild that, you know, you can be so sort of proficient in something, but if you don't sort of keep, you know, keep engaging in it keep practicing right which is like so much of what religion is about (laughs) is giving these practices to sort of Mm. keep you Mm -hmm. working certain muscles absolutely there's like a knowledge or an inherent message almost in the practice i find like as a catholic Mm -hmm. the way that it is so choreographed i guess you could say Mm -hmm. like i do believe that like yeah, like, that's obviously what tradition kind of does, right? Or religions do kind of capture a mode of being or a perspective or a way of seeing and, like, 
codify it and try to keep it exactly <laughs>、um, through time. It's just kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we are such like flighty creatures as human beings. Like,、um, you know, we're so easily distracted. We're so easily sort of caught up、mm. in the day to day. Yeah,、and、that is like one of the biggest values of those traditions is to sort of keep bringing. I mean, the root、mm-hmm. of the word religion is religare, which means to sort of rebind, to like、mm. reconnect yourself to what's important. I see. And you know that is like really what religion at its best does is give us practices, you know, ways, modes of being that kind of reconnect us to what's important.、Um, given、yeah. how easy it is to just like. Get caught up in day to day frustrations, or totally,、whatever. or lose your mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like we have to be bound to something. It's almost like a necessity, right? That's kind of like I need God. I feel like the word "need" is really important because、mm. <laughs> it just points toward a necessity for something greater. Basically, I use a very broad definition of God. Obviously, you can tell、sure. by the page, <laughs> yeah, uh, but. Yeah, I think that's cool. I didn't know the root of religion like that. So we're talking to a professor of religion here, guys. <laughs> so obviously, you're interested in in religion and theology and stuff like that. It's like your one of your main areas of interest. But I thought it'd be interesting because I have I haven't read your books. I know you probably talk about this in some of your books, but I'm kind of interested in how you arrived at where you are today with your you know your unique point of view. On like atheism and theism and stuff like that, and I was curious about like how you were raised and if sure, you had、yeah. a religion growing up or your parents had one or anything like that. Yeah, so I actually was not religious growing up.、Um, you know, we weren't like I never heard the word atheist in my household as a kid, but I didn't、wow. really hear the word God either. We were just sort of like irreligious,、mm-hmm. and we just didn't really talk about it, and so. As I started like growing up, I began to become more aware that religion was a thing,、um, but it <laughs>、yeah. felt like this like kind of thing that was really distant、um, from me. Your、and、parents did not have to go to church as kids themselves, even. Do you think?、Mm, I don't think you know. I don't. Not that I know of, really. I mean, I think at one point I've asked, and yeah, and. I mean, it just really wasn't a part of my life. I don't think、That's、it was、so、a huge part of theirs. What generation American are you? Uh, just a few generations,、okay. yeah.、Um, Scandinavian mostly.、Oh, okay,、um, that's my, a very my... like not religious place. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely.、Um, but you know, like as I got older, I mean, religion is something. It's just unavoidable, you know. And so, like I mean, when I was in, yeah, when I was in third grade, we moved. To a new neighborhood, and there was a kid my same age in the neighborhood who was growing up in like a multi-faith household. So her mom was Jewish and her dad was Catholic,、mm. and her parents really encouraged her to kind of explore and decide what felt right to her. And she really gravitated towards her mother's Judaism, and she was pretty open about. It. She was like very involved in her Jewish community, and like she invited me over to celebrate some Jewish holidays with her family and. They were like super welcoming, and I found myself like very interested.、Um, and it kind of made me like look at my own family and be like, like, what is our tradition? Like, what do、mm. we believe? You know. <laughs>、um, and but you know, I was in third grade, so like that kind of fascination didn't last that long. Sure. <laughs> I you know I was on to the next thing, but then when I was like around eleven, I got invited to. 
an after-school youth group at a non-denominational Christian church. Um, and that was really my sort of like hardcore introduction to religion. The youth group was like super welcoming, super fun, and like exactly the place that a kid like me like would gravitate toward because at that point in my life, I was feeling like pretty adrift. Um, my parents were divorcing. Um, I was starting to recognize that I was queer, although I didn't like quite have the language for it. And my mom was like working three jobs all of a sudden and Ugh. just like couldn't be around. And, you know, so I, I it like gave me the sense of community and belonging, right. um, you know, which I think is this like central need that we have as human beings. We need yeah. to feel like we have somewhere we belong. Absolutely. Probably then, one of the best purposes that religions fill for people, I would say. Absolutely. And then, you know, the other thing is, like, we, we also, in addition to belonging, we also need meaning. We need to feel like our lives, like, matter. And, yeah. you know, there's they have some kind of purpose to them, whether mm -hmm. it's, like, one we receive or one we create or whatever. Mm -hmm. And about a year prior to getting invited to this church, I had started, like, just reading all these books about suffering, <laughs> like... I read, um, you know, Anne Frank's Diary of a Young Girl. I read John Hershey's Hiroshima about the atomic bomb dropping in Japan. <laughs> I read Roots by Alex Haley about American slavery. Like, how and could I just God found let myself... this happen? Sorry? <laughs> how could God let this happen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I found... Well, I found myself... I didn't really have this concept of God, but I found myself being like, why are humans so horrible you know and mm -hmm. when i got invited to this church it was like i found my people who like saw the same like problems in the world that i did and were like trying to understand why mm -hmm. so you know it kind of met my need for belonging my need for like meaning or a space to like explore those kinds of questions sure and you know the whole god thing like was foreign to me but you know it was like that was this sort of shared language they all used. So, right. you know, then unfortunately it was like a very like homophobic church though. Oh. <laughs> and I like really struggled with that. Cause right around that time I was realizing I was queer and, you know, I didn't really want to be. And so mm -hmm. I kind of went into this like really private struggle with my faith and sexuality, which I guess was the big irony of becoming a Christian. Like I became a Christian because I was looking for a place to belong and like a way of making sense of suffering. And instead I like became really withdrawn and isolated and like suffered. really suffered a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Uh. But then my mom um, found a journal where I was writing about what I was struggling with. Oh and, no. You know, she, she kind of went snooping because she had watched me go from being this like really happy outspoken kid to being like really withdrawn and whatever. And she knew something was going on. So mm -hmm. she like went and read my journal and, you know, my mom wasn't particularly religious. So I think she kind of felt like, I don't really know how to support him in this. And like a lot of parents in her position maybe would have said like, Hey, just forget this religion stuff. Yeah. Like, you're fine. You know? Yeah. Right. That's but what I would she, do. <laughs> <laughs> she like, did something going there <laughs> <laughs> she did something really amazing though that i'm like forever grateful for which was she went to the phone book because like i'm a little older <laughs> uh -huh. and called up uh churches in the community till she found one that was lgbt affirming oh. and then she took me to talk to the pastor there wow um, yeah really amazing really amazing. special and so, you know, because of that, I ended up moving into, like, LGBT-affirming Christian churches, and that was kind of where I, like, spent a lot of time in high school. Oh, I see. Which 
was really helpful and really meaningful for me. So then when it was time to go to college, I was like, I think I want to go to a, a, it was a Lutheran church that my mom brought me to. So I was like, I think I want to go to a Lutheran college to study religion and maybe like try to help people who are struggling in the same ways that I was. And so, you know, that was, then I I went to college and I started studying religion and it was actually there where all my professors were Christian themselves. Um, They really challenged me to like ask myself why I'd become a Christian in the first place. And (laughs) I, I realized that for me, it had been less about the theology, which I always kind of felt like something I was having to kind of take on as a package deal along with the rest of it. Sure. And it was more just about the community and a place to like explore questions of meaning. Right. So that ultimately like was when I kind of became Quaker, (laughs) became Quaker. (laughs) I should have. Um, No, I, I ended up sort of realizing maybe, you know, I'm not religious. So it was kind of like this full circle to back where I started. Uh Um, but, you know, I, I I do think that all people, wherever they land on the sort of religion spectrum, <laughs> um, sure. like, you know, should have spaces where they can find a sense of community and where they can reflect on these kinds of questions, because I think they're really important questions. Yeah. And that's really when what a lot of my life has been about since, whether it's, you know, I, I was a chaplain before, now I'm a professor but, you know, ultimately, like, my big drive in life is to, you know, kind of like what I mm-hmm. want, went to college for in the first place, to mm-hmm. support people as they're kind of wrestling with questions about who they are and what a meaningful life looks like. Wow. Um, that's really cool of you to do all of that. Um, I feel like I need God or, like, the Internet in some ways gives people that sense of community, I feel like as we as it feels like we're losing institutional traditional communities it kind of absolutely we, i mean that's that's yeah. like basically the argument of my book IRL is okay. that like as institutions are sort of waning in like influence or resonance um mm-hmm. a lot of people are turning to the internet to meet these needs of of you know belonging and meaning so i definitely agree with you on that and i think i need god is like such a perfect example of that yeah me too. Uh, like when you said religion is a, or spirituality is a spectrum. So I kind of agree with that. I've been like thinking about the idea of like spiritual orientation as mm-hmm. something analogous to sexual orientation or mm-hmm. like other orientations. And I just feel like that's maybe not like mainstream enough to think of sp- your spirituality as having an orientation, but I think it does. And I think there I, are kind oh. of different spectrums and gradients of uh, belief and absolutely i totally agree and actually you know i'm working on this new book project right now which i haven't really talked to anyone about yet Mm, (laughs) but exclusive um, that's (laughs) exclusive exactly (laughs) um yes the the blogs will be making sure to report on this (laughs) 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 but you know that's one idea i'm sort of like wrestling with a little bit is this you know kind of orientation that we have to questions of meaning and purpose and a sense of kind of spirituality Mm -hmm. because you know i think these things are like really central to what it means to be human yeah but one thing i'm coming across in some of the research i'm doing is that there are people who are kind of You've reached the end of the free episode, but there are about 40 more minutes of conversation with Chris available at our Patreon at patreon.com slash I need God. You could unlock this episode for just $3 and you'll unlock half of all our episodes. 
Um, if you pledge $5, then you'll unlock all of our episodes. And either way, you'll get into our Discord where we have conversations and talk and share memes and stuff. Um, the rest of this interview with Chris is really great. I definitely recommend checking it out if you're interested. We talk about homophobia in the church, um, the four categories of belief in God, how to be a good atheist, what it's like teaching religion to college students. We talk about Chris's books, his podcast, and we even do some astrology at the end. So if you're interested, that's patreon.com slash I need God. It's only possible because of our many patrons who contribute to make this project happen, and especially those who contribute at the angel tier and above. Um, so for our angels, I'd like to say a little prayer, um, since they're on my prayer list this week, let's close our eyes and pray for Allison White, Carson Reeves, Casey, Colin G, Dakota Garcia, Jenna, Sarah, Kylie Gurley, Neve Parker, Nicole Sosterman, Nicole Gautier, and Tyler Hill. For them, Lord, hear our prayer. 